0: A podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the
1: test of time? That's what we're here to find out. We continue to catch up on our listener library. Episodes recommended by you, the suave and sophisticated listeners of this podcast. This week we're checking out Mars is Heaven, an episode recommended to us by Cheryl from the series XXXX, minus, 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 one, 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 one.
0: <laughs> Get it. X-Minus 1 ran on NBC from April 24, 1955 to January 9, 1958. The show featured adaptations of stories written by some of the biggest names in science fiction, including Isaac Asimov, Robert Bloch, Philip K Dick, Robert A Heinlein, Fritz Lieber, and in the case of today's episode, Ray Bradbury.
2: Mars is Heaven was originally published in 1948 in a magazine called Planet Stories. The story was retitled The Third Expedition when it appeared as the sixth chapter in Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles, published in 1950. The Martian Chronicles was Bradbury's famous collection of stories that he strung together into one novel-like narrative about the colonization of Mars. Many other stories within The
1: Martian Chronicles have been adapted to radio in one form or another, and Mars is Heaven itself has been adapted by a variety of shows, including Escape, ABC Radio Workshop, Future Tense, and of course, X-1's predecessor, Dimension X.
0: One last bit of trivia for you. This episode features a performance by Mason Adams, whose numerous radio and television credits include the role of Charlie Hume in the series Lou Grant. Thank you, Cheryl, for recommending this one to us. Without any further ado, here is Mars is Heaven from X-1.
2: It's late at night. And a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Count down for Blast Off.
3: X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire! The far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years, on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X, 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 X minus, 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 minus one. one, one, one. Tonight's story, Mars is Heaven. When the first space rocket lands on Mars, what will we find? Only the ruins of a dead and deserted planet? Or will there be life... Intelligent life in some strange form that we can only imagine. Will we be welcomed with open arms? Or will the Martians treat us as invaders? Only one thing is certain. Someday, a giant metal ship will take off from Earth to travel through the black velocities, the silent gulfs of space. We descend at last into the darkness of the upper Martian atmospheres. And on that day, man will finally know the answers. The day we first land on Mars.
4: Now I hear this, now I hear this. Approaching critical deceleration. Fasten gravity suits. Stand by to land. There it is. We've intersected the course vector, sir. All right, Mr. Lustig. Over to manual control. Aye, sir. Masters, sound general quarters. Aye, sir. Mr. Lustig. What do you make of the terrain? There seems to be a heavy ground, Miss Captain. We won't be able to use the infrared lights. And we'll have to come in on radar. Isn't that a little risky, sir? Landing in the dark? I'd rather run the danger of a blind landing, Lieutenant, than come in without the cover of darkness. Remember, we don't know what kind of reception is waiting for us down there. Airspeed 500. Altitude now 4,000. Bridge to engine room. Stand by for deceleration. Fire forward tubes one and three. as she goes, Mr. Lustig. As she goes, sir. Airspeed speed, 100. Altitude, 1,000. Radar indicates a level stretch dead ahead, sir. Skids down. Skids check. Altitude, 500. Four. Three-fifty. Three. Up a point now. All right. Let's set her down. Masters, pipe battle stations. I see. All secured, sir. Well, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we're now on Mars. April 20th, 1987. 4.33, Greenwich time. Enter that in the log, Masters. I see. Well, gentlemen, it's less than two hours till dawn. As soon as it's light, we'll send out a landing party. Masters, get me an all-over hookup. (laughs) set, Captain. Now hear this. All right, All right men. men. The smoking lamp is lit. Well, we're on Mars, the first man shipped from Earth to land here. We don't know what we're going to find or what dangers we may face. We're 17 men on an alien world, and it's up to us whether we ever get home again. The next few hours should tell the story. And I want instant obedience to all commands. I'll court-martial the first man who doesn't jump to when he's ordered. And one other thing. We may be on Mars, but this is still a United States naval vessel. Officers will conduct a personal and weapons inspection in one hour. That's all. An inspection, Captain. Now? Mr. Lustig, we've got an hour and a half to sweat out before we find out what's outside that airlock. I'd rather have a man worried about his stripes than about what's waiting outside on Mars. (whistles) Now I hear this. Landing Landing party party report report the forward forward airlock. Captain, Captain Black, Black Lieutenant, Lieutenant Hinkston, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Lustig, and Doctor Horst, report, Horst. Immediately report immediately to forward, forward airlock. Lock. It's now landing time minus five. Well, they're paging us. Uh, you ready, Doctor Horst? Yes, Mr. Lustig. As ready as I will ever be. Come on, let's get in the lock. And Lustig and Horst reporting in the airlock. Very well, sir. The captain will join you. Four minutes to go. At least the captain would get here. What difference does it make? I just want to get it over with, that's all. Anybody got a cigarette? Yeah, I think you're smoking too much,
5: Lieutenant Lustig. Are you nervous? I offer for your horse. Wondering what's hidden outside underneath that ground mist? I've been giving it some thought. It'll be very interesting to find out A very unusual planet, Mars Why? It has an atmosphere A wonderful thing, an atmosphere Where you find one, you, uh, find life
3: You mean Martians?
5: What do you think they'll look like? Who knows? Intelligent life can take many forms You mean they may have green skins and eyes on stalks or something? Mm -hmm. The comic book conception is possible, of course Or they may have developed far beyond us Perhaps they have a science that can produce weapons far more dangerous than our atomic missiles.
4: You think we may have to fight our way up?
5: After all, we are invaders.
4: Uh, I hear this landing time minus two. All right, all right. We heard this. What I'd like to find outside that airlock. Good old Illinois. Ever been there, Lusting? Uh, only Chicago. You ought to see my hometown. Green lawns, big white houses. (laughs) Sounds like my hometown. My grandmother used to have one of those iron deer on the lawn. Every Halloween, we'd paint another color. One time, we painted it black and white like a Holstein cow. Where does your family live, Dr. Horst? I have no family. When I was a child, they were
5: gassed to death in the Dachau concentration camp. tough. No, it has its advantages. I have no ties on earth. Nothing to lose now. I imagine I'm the only one on board who is free to enjoy
4: our present peculiar position. All right, masters, you can button it up now. I, I see. It. Well, gentlemen, check your sidearms. In one minute, we'll be the first men to set foot on Mars. Quite an honor, eh?
5: As long as the medals are not awarded posthumously.
4: Still uneasy,
5: Dr. Horst? Captain Black, I've been uneasy ever since I can remember. On Earth
4: and on Mars. Well... 30 seconds. Give me the intercom phone, Lustig. Yes, sir. Masters? Aye, sir. Battle stations are to be manned till we return. If we're not back in two hours, I want no rescue party sent out. Blast off and save the ship, you understand? Aye, sir. All right. Five seconds. Four. Three. Two. One. Lustig, open the outer airlock. Aye, sir. <laughs> fresh air. Let's go. All right, now, take it easy. It's too dark to move fast. Quiet, isn't it? Not even a wind. Can't see anything from this ground, mister. Quiet. We don't know what's out here. All right, come on. What the quiet? Captain, I can swear that... That sounds like a rooster. I don't
5: hear it anymore. Very homely but unlikely sound. A rooster crowing on Mars.
4: Higston. I sir. Set that machine gun 25 yards to the flank. We'll stay here till the ground mist lifts. I sir. What do you make of the ground, Horst?
5: Grass. Plain grass. You can see some large foliage there with the mists thinned down. What
4: the... Higston, hold your fire, you fool! I hit it, Captain! What? Some kind of wild animal. I hit it. I could see the tracers, but it's still standing. Come on, Horst. Doctor, where are you? Up ahead. Admiring the wild animal. Careful, Horst. Wait for us. Don't worry, Captain. <laughs> it's
5: an iron deer. A lawn ornament. Well, that, that's impossible. It's hollow. Interesting, isn't it? A whitewashed Victorian iron deer sitting on a lawn in the middle of Mars. I don't understand. Look around. The mist's lifting.
4: Hey, Captain, look there. It's a house. A regular old fashioned house. But, sir, on Mars. Good Lord. I haven't seen carved scrolls and gingerbread like that in years. Look at that port swing. The geraniums. There! I told you it was a rooster, Captain. Give me the glasses, Lustig. I want to take a look through that front window. Well, there's an upright piano. Some sheet music on it. Lustig, it's... It's beautiful Ohio. It can't be, sir. Horst... Horse, do you think that civilization of two planets could be identical? I don't know. That specific variety of geraniums is only 50 years old on Earth. Is it logical that they should develop in Mars? How about that port swing and the piano and, and beautiful Ohio? Why, it's impossible. Captain Black, this looks like the town I was born in. Well, it, it looks like my hometown, too. I thought of something, sir. It's the only solution. Maybe, maybe we're not the first ship to reach Mars from Earth. Don't be ridiculous, Lustig. Oh, how else can you explain it? Uh, suppose some scientists got together. They, they, they invented some spaceship and, and planted a colony here. <laughs> That's the only answer. That's impossible, Lustig. Been space travel, it couldn't be secret. Do you have any idea what ships cost, what industrial power is needed? No, there's got to be some logical reason.
5: I think perhaps we might find out, Captain. The light just went on in that house.
4: Kingston, cover that door with a machine gun. I sir. All right, come on, Horst. We're going to ring that doorbell... There's got to be a scientific answer to all this.
5: And there's something moving in there. Stand back, Horst. Give me a clear shot. Are you sure a bullet can stop a Martian? Steady now.
6: Can I help you?
4: I... Will we...
6: If you're selling anything, it's much too early.
4: No, 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 wait just a minute. What... What town is this?
6: What do you mean? Are you census takers? No,
4: no.
5: We're strangers here. We want to know how this town got here.
6: Is this a game? No,
5: no, it's not a game. We're from Earth.
6: From where?
5: From Earth.
6: Do you mean out of the ground? Are you sure you're feeling well?
4: Madam, we came in a flying ship across space. We're from the third planet Earth. This is Mars. Now do you understand Mars?
6: You go away now, you hear? I'll call my husband from upstairs and he'll chase you. Go on. But this
5: is Mars. Mars.
6: Isn't it? This is Green Lake, Wisconsin in the United States of America. Bounded on the east by the Atlantic and on the west by the Pacific. Now go away. Goodbye.
4: Horst, do you suppose it's really possible? I've got to find out more about this.
6: I told you I'd call my husband. Now you go away.
4: You've got to tell me one thing first. What year is this?
6: Year? 1928, of course. For goodness sake.
4: You hear that, Horst? And we know it's 1987. And we know this is Mars. Horse, is it possible that we got fouled up, made made some tremendous blunder, circled around and landed back on Earth? In 1928? Well, maybe some switch in time or dimension. Could we have shifted somehow, gone, gone backward in time? Oh, Horst, this won't hold water. It's it's not logical. We've we, we checked every mile. We went past the moon, out into space. We're we're on Mars. Lustig out at point. Hingston in the rear. Keep that gun at half load. I said course, there there's got to be some cold, logical solution. Captain! What? That, that, that house down the street, the white one with the green shutters. Lustig, what's the matter? I never thought of... I, I never thought of... Thank God! Lustig! Lustig, come back here! He's running for that house. That crazy fool! After him, quick! Lustig, stop! Come down off of that porch! Stand up! Stand what the devil do you think you're
6: doing? Albert!
4: Grandma, Grandpa, is you? Lastic, what, what is going on here? Albert, it's, it's been so many years. How you've grown, boy. It's so good to see you. Lieutenant Lastic! Oh. Captain, uh, Grandma, I want you to meet my friends. This is Captain Black. Captain, I want you to meet my
6: grandfather. Howdy. Any friend of Albert's is a friend of ours. <laughs> How long have you been here, Grandma? Oh, a good many years, ever since we died. Ever since you what? Oh, yes, sir. They've been dead 30 years. What? Oh, now, don't you trouble yourself. It's all right. We're alive again, that's all. You mean to tell me that Mars is heaven?
4: Oh, nonsense, no. All we know is here we're alive again. And who are we to question God's infinite ways? Well, I... Lustig, we're going back to the ship. But, Captain, I... I want to talk to my grandpa. Lieutenant Lustig, I don't like any part of this. You'll come back with us if I have to club you and carry you. I see. Now, let's go! Heaven only knows what they've run up against back of the ship. First, look at that crowd around the ship. Looks like we're being welcomed with a celebration, Captain. Celebration! the abandoned ship every port is open no guard set you you masters hiya captain meet my old dad dad that's captain black he's not a bad guy for an officer upper uh, what's What's it? bring that band back use force if you have to hiya. oh excuse me sir there's my uncle George Higston. I'll be right back captain uncle George right what what devil is? Don't going you on understand, here? sir? They've all found friends and relatives. Hey, 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 they're all here. You're right, Captain. I found it. The whole crew's out in the crowd. But I gave orders. Government and orders. You don't understand, Captain. I understand, mutiny. I don't care how many relatives show up. I'll have discipline. Johnny! Johnny, you old son of a gun! It's you, Edward. Yes. It can't be. Oh, of course it is. Johnny, Johnny, Ed. you Edward. <laughs> Dr. Horst. This is my. Brother, Edward How do you do? Hello, sir It's wonderful to, to see you, Edward <laughs> Look, I've, I've got to get back to my ship Oh, Johnny, wait I almost forgot Mom's waiting at home Mom? Yeah, and Dad, too Mom and Dad are alive? Then then you're real, Ed Well, of course, don't I feel real? How's <laughs> that, <I'm sad>, huh? <laughs> Why, Ed! Ed! We've, <laughs> but... we've got lunch for you, Johnny Mom's making corn fritters. Doctor Horst, haven't you found anybody? Oh no, Captain, I have nobody. Well, then you come on home with me, right, Ed? Why? Sure, Horst. Horst, you wouldn't believe it, but it's been 35 years since I had Mom's corn fritters. <laughs> By George. 35 years.
6: kitchen, so don't hold back, Johnny. You too, Dr. Horst. Well, Johnny, you're still in the Navy,
4: eh? That's right, Dad. I'm in command of the ship. We're an old Navy family, Dr. Horst. All three of our boys in the service. Yeah, Ed was the best pilot in the Pacific too. What did happen, Ed?
6: (laughs) What's the difference? I'm here now. Yeah, but... You know, it's almost perfect. All we're missing is your brother, Will. Then the whole family could be together.
4: Well, it won't be long, Mom. Will's in charge of the XR-54. Next rocket coming out to Mars. Well, little Will, when does he leave, Johnny? Well, the takeoff's scheduled for September, but uh-huh. it depends on what we report. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's no question about that now, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Christmas together again. That'll be something. Sure yes. will, yes, sirree. Well, uh, this calls for
5: a celebration. How about a little of the old dandelion wine, eh, Johnny? Now, Father,
6: don't you go giving Johnny too much wine.
5: (laughs) He's a big boy now, Mother. Well, sir, isn't everything just fine? Just fine.
6: One again, will you, Ed? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, Dr. Horst, what are you doing sitting over here alone? What do you think of my little family?
5: Very nice.
6: You know, I can't understand why you didn't find any folks here, Dr. Horst. It's just a shame everybody else is so happy. Well, I never
5: remembered my family, Mrs. Black. All I know is they were gassed at Dachau during the Second World War. When I was liberated, I was in delirium three months. I cannot remember anything before then. A psychiatric phenomena.
6: That's terrible. Isn't there anything anybody can do? I don't
5: want to remember. I have not had a pleasant life. I prefer to be free of emotional entanglements. They interfere with a scientific approach.
6: Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Oh. Horst. <laughs>
3: Oh, I'll get
4: it.
6: That's our ring, long and three shorts. I remember that. Well, maybe we'd better call it a night. You must be getting tired, Johnny. I'd better be going back to the ship. Nonsense! you stay the night. Uh, we we'll insist. I just couldn't rest thinking of you all alone on that ship. Why, I'll be all right. Well,
5: good night. Oh, wait a minute, Dr. Horst. That phone message was for you.
6: Me? Yes, that's right. Uh, a message from Anna. Anna? I don't... Well, there. She must be an old friend. Isn't that nice? Uh, I you sure it was for me? I don't remember any, Anna. Well, she asked if you were better. Perhaps she's someone who knew you at Dachau.
4: Anna? She said she's coming over here first thing in the morning.
6: So you
4: have to stay over. Yes, well, but... that da- settles it, then. You stay here, Horst. You can bunk with me in my old room. Yeah, but, Johnny, we thought you'd like to be with Edward.
6: So you could talk the way you are used
4: to. Well, we can't put Dr. Horst on the day bed. I think we'd better share the room tonight. Be plenty of time for talking, Ed. Uh, yes, I... I guess so. Uh, I suppose I'd better drop back to the ship. You know, Ed, security check.
6: Why do you have to do that here?
4: I I don't know, Mom. There's no good reason, I guess. (laughs) Suppose we skip it tonight, (sighs) huh? Well,
6: good night, everybody. Oh, it's good to have you home, Johnny. It's good to be home, Mom.
4: Hmm? You asleep? No, no, I've... I've been thinking about what we were expecting. <laughs> Green-skinned Martians. All the time there was only Mom and Dad and... and Edward waiting. That's funny what tricks your imagination can play on you. Well, I guess Mars
5: is heaven, horse. You know, I've been thinking about Martians, too. Hmm? Captain, just suppose... suppose... There were Martians, and they saw us land. And suppose they thought of us as invaders. What would be the best weapon they could use against our atom bombs,
4: huh? I don't see what you're getting at.
5: They would want to disarm us first, huh? To wipe out all suspicion, to make us feel at home. Captain, suppose this house isn't real. Suppose the people are just images stolen from our own memories by Martians, created for us by telepathy. Oh, that's that's the craziest theory I ever heard. Maybe that's why there was no one for me. Because in all my life, there is no happy memory. No real loved person. Not even my mother. I don't remember her. Uh, Only the piles of rotting corpses at Dachau. There was no happy emotion for these people to... to... recreate. How about that phone call? Anna? Yes, Anna. I didn't remember who she was, but I do now. I just remembered. When I was freed from Dachau, sick, delirious... I raved about a wonderful, kind nurse named Anna that took care of me. Well, there you are. It's logical. She's coming to see you tomorrow. But there was no Anna. I'd be nursed by a man. What? Anna was only a dream. And there's only one way they could have learned about her. Uh, By reading my subconscious mind. That's impossible, Horace. Why? A whole crew was thinking of home. Suppose the Martians read our minds. Yes, but if,
4: if there are Martians... If there are,
5: they have us separated. Each man in a different house, sleeping. No one at the guns I left my pistol downstairs Do you think there's something to this, Horst? It's a perfect trap, Captain Who would suspect his own mother His grandparents How easy Just a knife in the heart of each sleeping man That's impossible, Horst We've we've got to get back to the ship. Listen. The crickets have stopped. Come on. We don't know when they change back to whatever they really are. All right, careful.
4: Where are you going, John? Ed. We uh, we wanted a drink of water. That, that's all, Ed. You're not thirsty, John. You don't want a drink. Look out! You don't want a His drink. His face!
5: It's changing! He's a marshal! Run, horse! Run! You can't
4: get away! This way, horse! Horse, where are you? Ah! Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Earth? This this is Captain John Black, the XR-53, calling for Mars. I've locked myself in the ship, but they've crippled it. I can't take off or fire the guns, and they're coming for me now, the Martians. I'm all alone here. All the rest are dead. and Lustig, Dr. Horst, poor Horst, he didn't even reach the door. Listen! Listen! They're trying to break through the hull. Edward and Mom and Dad and all the folks. But but they're changing now. They're they're melting and changing back into... They're Martians. Can you understand? Martians, black men. They they make us think that Mars was heaven and we fell into the trap. Can you hear me, Earth? You've got to stop the next rocket. Listen, tell my brother Will. Tell my brother not to come. They'll trap him too. They'll kill them all. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Earth? This is John Black on Mars. Hello, Earth? This is John Black on Mars.
5: Hello Earth! Hello Earth! Tonight, X-Minus One has brought you the science fiction classic Mars is Heaven Written by Ray Bradbury and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Captain Black and Peter Capel as Dr. Horst with Bill Zuckert as Masters, Bill Lipton as Hingston, Margaret Berlin as the old lady, Bill Griffiths as Edward, Ken Williams as Lustig, Ethel Everett as mom, and Edwin Jerome as dad. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X minus one was directed by Fred Wayne. as a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. One
4: <laughs> one.
0: That was Mars is Heaven, from X-1, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim.
2: And I'm Joshua.
0: And that was from Cheryl, uh, as we continue our listener library series, uh, meaning we are spending the summer getting caught up in all our listener requests. Uh, we brought up Lou Grant in the intro, and I was talking to you guys, and you were like, we didn't watch Lou Grant, and it was a huge thing in my life. I mean, the family shut down and we went into the living room and watched Lou Grant and it was phenomenal. And I'll never forget the day when I realized that Charlie Hume, Mason Adams, oh, that's that guy that's on CBS Radio Mystery Theater all the time. And I was really excited to see that he was an actual human.
2: Yeah, that was that weird period of time in the 70s where they spun off from sitcoms, serious dramas, like Trapper John M.D. from MASH. And as a kid that just messed with my mind like what happened to lou grant he got in an accident and now he's not funny (laughs) it didn't make any sense to me
0: the trapper john spawned the bucket list dream of mine you know now i am married the kid it'll never happen but this idea that i want to live in a trailer in a mobile home (laughs) that guy lived in a mobile home in the parking lot that was fantastic i want to live in a mobile home in a parking
1: lot the uh, predecessor of mammy vice living on a boat (laughs) did they live on that boat Don Johnson lived on a boat, right? He had two crocodiles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: We might be a little off topic, right? Yeah. Now. Okay. I wish we had a topic to discuss.
0: <laughs> anyway, X minus one It was fine. All right, Tim. <laughs> let's wrap this up. So X minus one, if you're new to the podcast uh, for some reason or have not heard all of them, I, I have frequent issues with X minus one. It's problematic for me. I will start here. What do you guys think, after all of this time, that I thought of this X-1? What would be your guess, knowing what you know about me now?
2: I would guess that you liked it, particularly the ending. Because he got killed? Because there are monsters at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a car chase scene, you're, but it's you're good. You're like the opposite of that old children's book. There's a monster at the end of this book. You're like... The anti-Grover who's excited about it. <laughs> Let's get to the end of the book. Do you think I liked it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, uh,
0: uh, all right. So um, are we both fired? <laughs> no, not at Is all. Is this
2: a whole new thing we're doing on the podcast? <laughs> Guess what Eric thinks? Because it's actually really fun. <laughs> Let's start
0: a new podcast called that. <laughs>
2: and What are you thinking, Eric? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's uh, Lou Grant. I hear that line enough all day. What are you thinking? Uh, I will tell you that for the most part, I liked it. It has its problematic moments for me uh, that X-1 does to me frequently, and it pulls me out of the story. I think the story is great.
2: Let's get right into the problems. All right. Fight!
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is a writer thing, I guess. Uh, So you do no... Pre-scouting of Mars at all? You didn't send in a probe. You didn't take some pictures. You just... you know what? There it is. We're gonna land and then open this airlock and cross our fingers.
1: <laughs> there was no. Well, from it's the so opening sound effects of like the piping and the general quarters alarm, it literally sounded like they just took a boat, pointed it up. <laughs> and sent it on its way. It did. I made a note about the
0: alarm, too, that that was, I guess the future, we're just going to stick with that alarm
2: (laughs) for everything. Again, not surprising anyone listening, or to Eric, those are things that I love about this. Because really, this is about... Earth, 1950, or earlier, it's about colonization. So he is treating this spaceship like a boat. You just show up somewhere hoping the natives don't kill you or hoping you can kill the natives first, as the case may be. Yeah, it's Um, very Columbus. That's what not just Ray Bradbury's going for, but I think science fiction at this time was going for. And obviously, I don't think we had the technological ideas that you would scan a planet or send probes there until... Like open um, a window or, or yeah. <laughs> take a peek. <laughs> well, actually, in the original short <laughs> story, they do look down from the ship and from above, they see the houses. Oh. And they see everything before they land and then they go check it out. Here, I think, whoever's adapting this, it must be Ernest Kanoy. he adapts most of these, but he wants to just build up the fact that they have no idea what they're walking into that's where he thinks the suspense is coming from and that right. took you out of it but i think it's very intentional they are the first men to set foot on mars we have no idea what's going on here yes
0: i completely see that point of view now i was thinking this is so reckless
2: well it's Go dangerous in. i think it's what they're going for yeah is that, is that and
0: the- i don't think anybody would do that. Like, just gonna send these 17 guys, we're gonna land the thing. But Every I love time the idea... Every human being
2: in our history has gotten into a spaceship, that's exactly what they're doing.
0: No... We've looked at it for a while before we
1: go land,
2: right? I'm sure that and then we, <laughs> we oh, I've knew seen th- the moon at night. We're good. If we didn't do that, they we They had a land...
1: landing spot picked out. I mean, they yeah. didn't land there, but they <laughs> had one picked out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they wouldn't have had the heavy boots. They would have floated away, for example. Yeah. They knew it didn't have an atmosphere. I,
2: I know I get your point. But if you're looking for naturalistic or hard sci-fi, no, you're not going to get it out of Ray Bradbury.
0: I will say that I like your analogy... It is like getting on a boat and going to some undiscovered country and getting off and hoping the natives well, are friendly. Well, the so I like even that.
2: even says to the crew, we may be on Mars, but this is still a US Navy vessel. Yeah. So uh,
0: they're really leaning into the idea that they're there to conquer it. So they're not there to be friendly, they're there to take over whatever is there.
1: It's colonization themed which is, you know, just colonize and be neighbors. <laughs> no. you could. Well, you could try. Yeah, yes. The historical
0: moment of we're going to Mars and this amazing thing, and we're going to be the first men on Mars, and he gets on this bullhorn or this comm system, and his entire speech he's prepared is, well, we're on Mars. <laughs> That's not going to be remembered forever. <laughs> that made me laugh really but hard. That's what he came up with. But he says specifically
2: that he's trying to take their minds right. off of it, and it's designed. He even threatens them with right. court-martial if they behave yes. um, unearthly. <laughs> but I think that entire beginning is there to set up why these crew members would be so prone to nostalgia and a desire for home yeah the more frightening and alien the prospects are the more we could see them being taken in by this martian hoax right I love this
0: story. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic concept. But there are these moments where the writing goes off track just for a second. Like, well, we're color on Mars. Or
2: detail. <laughs> no.
0: no, I mean, like being more true to what a captain might say in this historical moment
2: mm-hmm.
0: instead of, well, we're on Mars. Well,
2: he's not broadcasting to the planet Earth. No. For one thing, he's not broadcasting <laughs> for posterity, he's broadcasting for keeping his crew together in right. that moment. Okay. How about this moment in writing?
0: Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, Lustig, open the airlock. Like the countdown is now meaningless. <laughs> there is no point to count that backwards and down. He counts backwards and then doesn't say one, and then it goes one, and then I there's think he more was to say. Quickly
1: making some change for someone before <laughs> he opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on one second.
0: And Before 15 get... makes 10. <laughs> Before you get too mad at me, Josh. No,
2: Tim covered it. That's what I was going <laughs> to say.
0: <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying about those little tiny things that pull me out in writing? Like, if you're going to do a countdown, then at one, boom. There are little things like that that make me crazy that X minus one does a lot
2: of. I hear you. And it doesn't bug you. <laughs> it's, like, it's, right. it's 1950s science fiction. I'm not focused on the details. Right. I'm focused on the bigger thematic ideas, particularly when it's of a course. Ray Bradbury story. And that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. It actually fills me with joy because it's 1950s science fiction. And if there's extra countdowns in it, I am like, <laughs> yes.
0: And, of course, I have no ground to stand on. Nothing. Because I am a fan of the original Star Trek. which is the goofiest, most loopholy thing ever written. And I forgive Star Trek because of my childhood memories. And I think that X-1 is a 52-year-old man at this point saying, ah, you could have cleaned that up. Um, This is my line. It's right here in my notes. I'll read it word for word. I love this story despite all of that. (laughs) I do love this concept of the deception. But then there's this. They very quickly accept the dead people. I think that's a product of a 30-minute script, but I would have liked to have seen a little more exploration into, wow, what is happening Let's test this just a little bit. Right, or freaking out, or Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it was, hey, it's Grandma!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sweet! I'm going to have some cornbread. I I think the writers went to some effort in their adaptation to Front load this with the fear and anxiety to answer that exact question. Whether or not it worked for you, Mm -hmm. I think that's why we spent so much time landing and preparing and talking about the mist on the ground so you can't see what's out there. And they even have the moment at the doors where they're speculating about what the Martians look like and maybe they could be super advanced and frightening. Maybe they look like comic book Martians. Mm, And so there's all this fear and anticipation, and then it's revealed to be perplexing at first these are things from earth this is a lawn ornament of a deer that we shot with a machine mm. gun whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah that guy <laughs> he might need some court-martialing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no,
0: they seem to be all on board with that
2: you shoot something good but first they recognize that it's stuff from earth even mm. the sheet music is beautiful ohio could this be parallel evolution that somehow involves songs about Ohio? <laughs> you know? Uh, and then we meet people. The Martians mm-hmm. look like people. and mm-hmm. we realize they're actually related to the crew. Mm-hmm. And then I think the critical hook is that these are people related to the crew who are dead. dead. right. And that wish fulfillment of seeing your dead loved ones again is the hook. And that heaven exists. Yeah, or this could be heaven. But they pretty quickly shoot that down as being ridiculous in this story there's a few theories like could we have gone back in time no that's ridiculous but this is ridiculous (laughs) yeah and so they do struggle with it but I think with Bradbury he is not about realism Mm -hmm. it's about the big picture Mm -hmm. it's more fantasy than science fiction right and and for all my poking fun because it's fun to poke fun
1: Especially pairing this with the ravine that we did not too long ago of another Bradbury theme of just living in that world where familiar small town things take on a really
2: sinister air. And that's it's, what Bradbury it's awesome. does. Yeah, it's, this is all about the you know the beauty and simultaneously the danger of nostalgia. It's equal parts comforting and deadly. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be something that Bradbury plays with a lot.
0: Right? Do you want a couple more of my? Uh... Issues or do you just keep them
2: coming?
1: (laughs) He's made me crazy. I'll swat him out of the way (laughs) and airline food.
0: (laughs) If someone says to you, My parents and family were gassed to death in Dachau, I don't think that's tough. (laughs)
1: That
0: was the most unempathetic response. Yeah, that's tough. And that guy couldn't shut up about Dachau. (laughs)
2: <laughs> wait a second fair
1: enough I You're I don't think you would say this someone like empty. could you please stop with the DaCo story was <laughs> like heard it we all have problems <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's my point he says yeah, they were gas stuff in and that guy's like yeah yeah I lost a dog once
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm defending this as a shtick but I mean it <laughs> quite seriously that to me that reflects that awkward moment you're at work this is a coworker even sure. though you've just gone through space to mars and everyone's had those coworkers who tell you horrible things but you don't know them that well mm-hmm. you can't offer your fellow a uh, naval officer a hug maybe in this <laughs> um historic moment <laughs> but, right. but i think it it had that feeling of an awkward, I don't know how to respond to that.
1: Well, and the character, he, he didn't take it as like, I've I lived this traumatized life because of this. It's just it's shaped my identity as being kind of unattached to things, mm-hmm. and it's just who I am. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: part of Horst's character, is he feels that has right. given him the ability to be logical and detached.
0: And also it's the setup to how they discover Mm -hmm. what's wrong because
1: they can't create anything for him. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of that is a a useful vehicle. And in reading
2: about the story, I hadn't actually read the story, this character is not in the original story. Which I think is fascinating because it tells you a lot about the differences between the two mediums. Mm -hmm. I I recently Mm -hmm. reread the short story and the realization in the short story that it's some sort of telepathy or trick on the part of the Martians is just something the captain realizes while he is in bed that night there's no character of Horst but it works really effectively in Bradbury's story because it has that quality of you're in bed at night and you're thinking about things and they seem kind of ridiculous but there in the dark even the most far out thought has that little seed of could it be and so Mm -hmm. it's all that half dream half awake thing where it all in this horrible moment comes to him that that's what's happening but that's a really boring thing in radio it would have to be right yeah Inner monologue. Hey. hey that's
0: all, that's it. That's a,
2: wait a minute.
0: I'm so sorry, Cheryl.
2: We really enjoyed this. Well, you know. And we would have enjoyed it too if it weren't for those meddling Martians. <laughs> uh, but but what's also interesting is that in Bradbury's short story, this is as Tim said in the intro, the third expedition. So we've already in Martian Chronicles read about two other doomed. Expeditions, And so the reader knows that the Martians have these telepathic oh. powers. The suspense comes from, oh, crap, when are these guys going to figure it out? Right. They are so screwed. Okay, um, And here, using Horst, it gives the readers clues. It's almost like a mystery. So when it's revealed that the Martians are doing this through telepathy, the clues have been laid out for mm-hmm. the reader. So it's a different type of suspense, mm. which I find interesting. And both work very effectively.
0: How long does it take to get to Mars on a ship? 50 years, huh? In
2: reality? Yeah. Uh, a long time.
0: You'd think Dachau would have come up.
2: <laughs> You're not going <laughs> to let that go. Here's another thing that I really l- love about that is because it stands out. We're, we're laughing about it, but it stands out here because it is a really shocking bit of real-world yeah. mm-hmm. truth in the middle of this science fiction story, and it really grounds it suddenly. What year is this... 1955 was yeah, when this so it's, was adapted.
0: It's, it's,
1: but so it, this it's broadcast set, if I'm right, in like 1990? 87. 87. 1987,
2: yeah.
0: But this was broadcast in 55. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is very fresh in everybody's minds at that point. So Everybody would know somebody like that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm not making fun.
2: I, oh, I know you're not.
1: It is just the peak of awkward conversation to yes. try to bring this up. No easy segue also the
0: future um <laughs> no. we've figured out how to get to mars but we still got pistols mm-hmm. are they guns just still oh, no, i think they're, they're
2: just guns it might be that i'm desensitized to this from reading so much bradbury where really right. it's that science fiction that really isn't about the future it's the, it's the about martian chronicles is about um the fears and anxieties of earth circa 1950 right. um mars is just once they colonize it it is a Town, Out of Earth, 1950. Um, It's all about colonization throughout history and the treatment of natives and about atomic war. There's nothing about this book that's looking ahead to the future. And let me piggyback
0: on that with the idea that it is 1955, and I think that it would be very much on people's minds, is there a heaven or not since so many people had lost so many people. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we're still missing them and hurting and grieving and So the concept of an afterlife Mm -hmm. is comforting. And so for these astronauts or whatever they are, these space soldiers get to this planet and see that it's true, I think it's for the listeners also – a very relieving and yay moment. So it just
1: uh, I, occurred to me that the, the city is 1927. 28. 28. Yep. yep. So like a year before the crash, this kind of golden age. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. Before everything
2: fell I mean, apart after the Great War, but and uh, Wisconsin, right? Is that what she said? Yep. It's in Wisconsin. Yeah, they're so in it's Wisconsin. The Midwest. It's just homey and I mean comfortable. Yeah. I mean, filled it's, filled not with Minas- <laughs> <Martians>. <laughs> it's not murderous Martians. It's not Minnesota, Wisconsin. but it's fine. It's fine. I love <laughs> the voice work when the familiar uh, people turn into martians with their yes, voice like yes. you don't want a drink it's, it's over the top but <laughs> it's in the situation the it's like, and his desperate cries uh the way it ends just uh, trying to yes. call back to earth yes so, i did yeah. you were right I did Holmes love the end of- a fantastic job there as mm-hmm. the captain do you understand but it's hysterical so you feel bad for him he's trying to say do you understand but like dude you're not even making your point here <laughs>
1: Mar's bad. Very bad. <laughs> Here's my
0: one last beef. <laughs> last one. All right. Because I got others, but I'll let it go. Because <laughs> I brought this up before, and it makes me so crazy. And you've explained it away in X minus one for me many times. And I Is say, it the music? It's the music. This time, <laughs> oh, they actually had loud. the theme from Leave it to Beaver at one point was playing. <laughs> It's so weird, and um, I, know I you have love
2: the it. actual notes here that says "Yay, cheery transition music that Eric hates."
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, I can't stand. Just can you just give me a what, low note
2: on an organ? The reason it sounds like "Leave It to Beaver" though is it, it was what incidental music sounded like in the fifties. Sure. But when you lived in Ohio, that's yeah. what music sounds like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what beautiful Ohio sounds like. That's yeah. By the way, that's the state song. I looked it up. Written in 1919. Yeah, I Googled something this time. (laughs) I even listened to the song, it's terrible. (laughs) Sorry, uh, Ohio. Yeah, it's it's just not that catchy. I think that the uh, Leave it to Beaver folks could actually sue them
2: (laughs) for that song. I mean, it was dead on. Ridiculously wrong. But Uh. (laughs) I can let it go. (laughs) All right, let's
0: talk more about... What Josh was talking about. In all the things that Joshua was saying, he's absolutely right. In the concept of it, uh the time it was written, how Bradbury writes, it's not about those details, it's about the bigger picture and about these concepts and about uh delving into our fears and our uh, our social issues and things of that nature and putting them into future tents or space tents. So let me reemphasize I really like this story i think the things that you told me about the martian chronicles would have been nice to know but again we're working on a 30 minute adaptation yeah. um i think it was really well performed and i loved the foley and it was a great enjoyment to listen to it's just that x minus one has these moments that pulls me out wait really
2: Tell us about it. <laughs> well, I have a list here. Would you like to hear this list? Speaking of Foley, they did I... no scouting of Mars. <laughs> Speaking of Foley, I really loved the crickets at the end mm. um, when Horse oh, and the yeah. Captain are having the cut. discussion, mm-hmm. and I was into the cricket sound before it became a plot point. But because it's right. in the background at first, it's really peaceful, and the more Horse describes the possibility of them being fooled by telepathy mm-hmm. the crickets become more and more ominous they don't change the sound at all but it's just the effect of what you're hearing in front of the crickets makes this once very comfortable thing become more and more sinister so the, the crickets by themselves seem to reflect all the themes of the entire story and then when they cut out because the martians have overheard it and figured it out and like well we're not going to screw with making crickets in the background now they figured it out that's a lot of extra work let's cut out the crickets and come kill them that's it's a great moment
0: all the martians in the family room were like oh god can we stop doing that noise
2: who <laughs> was in charge of crickets all right you can stop they're on to us <laughs> daco guy like- figured it out It's a brilliant radio-audio moment, though. I do agree with that. As
0: weird as this is going to sound at this point, I really did enjoy this. I did.
1: No one uh,
2: believes you, Eric.
1: (laughs) I just had these issues with X-1.
2: Tim, what did you think?
1: I liked it. (laughs) Um, There's certain moments where it sort of asks you to let us ignore the uh, science questions you might have here and just move forward. And you kind of have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but offers a lot in exchange you know, as far as a compelling story that makes you think about a lot of different stuff. Wow, I just sounded like I'm 11. <laughs> it really makes you think about stuff. <laughs> but it
2: did. It made me think about stuff. Right. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment of it and of all of Bradbury's work. Like I said, you have to take this leap in logic. He's more about the images and the ideas and he will sacrifice realism in order to gain some sort of aesthetic. Um, I think it really captures the spirit of Bradbury's original story quite well. I would say it is a classic. I actually wrote my notes. Wow. It's an effing classic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you Which might love... be a new category in the wow. show. <laughs> wow.
0: So that explains, I literally saw the hair on your neck rise when I started <laughs> to talk. Because you have written down classic, and I start off with, I got all
2: these issues. And you're like... It's just my opinion. I'm not that no, invested I am in... Wrong. in the podcast, really, guys. <laughs> this is my last one. So, uh,
1: those of you who are running bets on what we'll
2: think, you can <laughs> write it down
1: Joshua said effing classic. Uh, Tim? Uh, I don't know that I would say it's a classic, but it certainly stands the test of time. Bradbury is just amazing. Uh, I, everything that I read of his is beautiful. And this production, I think, is a good production of his work.
0: I think it stands the test of time. A lot of fun and it was a great story. Uh and I won't put the classic thing on it, but I think that my issues with X minus one are my own. I don't think they have any merit.
2: <laughs> oh, I think they do. I, I, I I'm gonna bring one of the really, really awful X minus ones to the podcast <laughs> just so Eric can feel like uh, I totally told vindicated. You. <laughs> like Yes. <laughs> the, uh, it sucks space rocks. Yes. <laughs>
1: All right, Tim, why don't you tell them some stuff? Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com if you're not already there. When you're at that website, you'll see other episodes of this podcast. You can see ways to get a hold of us, either through our contact form there or via Facebook or Instagram. I'm by gum going to get Twitter going again. <laughs> wow, I really let Twitter go. I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah, you know it's probably not going to happen because he used the term by, by gum. I'm gum. Uh, I, I, <laughs> by Golly, I will. <laughs> okay. The chances just went up ever so <laughs> slow. <specific. laughs> oh, and uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to uh, com slash themorals and become a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Uh, there's all sorts of great perks there uh, you can hear some bonus content. Uh, you can get access to our members' only podcast, The Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio. Um, it's a lot of fun for those who are so inclined. Uh, you can also click on our Friends of the Society page and uh, find out about some of our other um, old time radio pals and what they are doing. There are links to new audio uh, creations, um, three chimes to midnight, 12 times to midnight 12 chi- <laughs> three I'm sorry. <laughs> I got really excited. Wow. Just got, <laughs> There's
1: been inflation. It's been not <laughs> <sooner> to midnight.
2: <laughs> I was thinking of the atomic clock. <laughs> I think three minutes to midnight on that. My, my apologies, 12 minutes to midnight. Uh, 12 chimes, I don't even know what's going on. I <laughs> don't update the page. I've never been there. <laughs> uh, our, um, it features 12
1: times to midnight. Monster Kid Radio, Breaking Walls. Yes. Um, um,
2: and market. also, speaking of friends of the society, I do want to make a little play plug for Cheryl, our listener who recommended uh, Mars is Heaven, is also a mystery novelist who writes a series of mystery novels set in the 30s around old-time radio. I don't know why she listens to this. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you might want to check out her books. I'm reading the first one right now, The Darkness Knows. Um, We'll put a link in the post.
0: Why didn't you tell me that before we started? Now I look like an idiot. This published novelist that knows what she's <laughs> talking about sends this recommendation, and I'm going, eh, now I'm an idiot. You, I, Cheryl, I'm wrong. X minus one is a classic.
2: <laughs> she listened to this because she wants our subjective opinions. Hey, as long as we're still spinning our wheels here, I
1: forgot uh, to mention at you can find uh, information about our live shows, because we do live
2: shows. Yeah. All right, that was <laughs> Yeah,
0: we're going to be doing uh, fringe Festival.
2: In 2018. Just yes. to make sure. We <laughs> we no year. Year Uh Anyway, you can also write an iTunes review. Are we <laughs> almost done yet? I think so. <laughs> well, we're on Mars.
0: <laughs> Good job.
2: Uh, the next one is yours, Joshua. Yes, and we'll be listening to an episode of Suspense called The Devil's Saint. Until then. Look out!
6: It's one small step for man, one giant leap
0: for mankind.
4: Well, we're on Mars. Well, sir, isn't everything just fine? Just fine.
3: Leave it to Beaver.